Hey, this is Rodney Gage. I'm the pastor of Rethink Life Church in Orlando, Florida, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out today. I hope it encourages and inspires you to live with a new perspective, make better choices, and have a greater impact with your life. Here's today's message. I look forward to it. And that's the reason why today we're kicking off a brand new series called Life Shift. And I just believe that there are some major shifts that God wants to bring about in our lives. And some may not even be major shifts. They might even just be minor shifts that some of us need to make. But I believe that some of the shifts that God wants to do in us and through us is going to be huge this year. And I think when we all look at you know, what we have in front of us in terms of the endless possibilities, I just really believe that God wants more for us. I believe he has more in store for us, but we've got to get ourselves ready. Do you believe that? We have to pave a way. We have to make a way, kind of like what we sang about a few moments ago. We have to pave a way and make a way and lay the groundwork for what God wants to do. You know, I heard something this past week I thought was really powerful. It said the best reformers the world has ever known are ones who began with themselves. I was... um, I was in a chiropractor not too long ago, and I went into the chiropractor because I was experiencing some neck pain. So I was was, was trying to explain to him and describe to him exactly, you know, what I was feeling in my neck. And after I kind of walked through some of the, the symptoms that I was experiencing, here's what the chiropractor told me. He said, your pain is not your problem. I was like, what? You mean, that's why I'm here. I'm here because of pain. He said, no, no, no. He said, your pain is not your problem. And he referred to something as referred pain. He said, what you're experiencing is referred pain. I said, okay, explain that one to me. What do you mean? Because I'm hurting right here. He said, well, he said, you have an issue going on in your L4 and 5. And he said, because of what is taking place in your lower back, he said, that is actually the root problem. He said, but it's symptomatic and you're feeling it in your upper neck, in your cervical part of your spine. And he said, that is the issue. He said, the issue is what's going on in your back, in your lower back, not necessarily what is going on in your neck. And I thought to myself, wow, what an incredible analogy because how many of us perhaps are guilty of maybe experiencing some what we consider to be pain in our lives or problems in our lives. And especially as we look back, you know, in our past and, you know, whether it's issues of guilt or, or maybe uh, depression or discouragement or, or maybe shame or maybe anger, resentment, bitterness, whatever it is that maybe we're feeling, something that we're carrying, well, guess what? That pain that we're experiencing is not necessarily our problem. Those are symptoms of a much greater or perhaps deeper issue that is going on in our lives. And so just like a chiropractor has to make an adjustment to get you in proper alignment, I believe that there are also some adjustments. There are some shifts that God wants to make possible in our lives so that we can experience everything that he has in store for our lives, especially in this new calendar year. And so because of that, that's the reason why we're kicking off this new series, because there is some life 
shifts that I believe that we all, I need to make them, that you need to make them, we all need to make in our lives. There's some adjustments that I believe we need to make if and only if we're going to experience everything that God has for us. Because we can't expect God to do his part without doing our part, right? We have to have some skin in the game. We have to make some shifts in our lives. You know, there's an incredible um, book in the New Testament that I, I absolutely love reading it. It always inspires me and challenges me. It's the book of Ephesians. And the Apostle Paul was writing a letter to a group of Christians living in Ephesus. And, and it's interesting because he was basically reminding them of the incredible wealth that they had in the riches, in the riches of Christ Jesus. And so they didn't quite realize the potential that they already had living inside of them. And so therefore, Paul was trying to help them understand that, hey, what you have inside of you, you have unlimited potential because of the riches of Christ Jesus that lives in you. And so in the first four chapters, he's helping them understand some important truths. But beginning in verse, excuse me, in beginning in, in chapter 4, and then on through chapter 6, he takes not, not only those practical and important truths, but he breaks it down to help them understand how to live it out. So much so where he ends with the challenge of them putting on and wearing the full armor of God so that they can stand firm against anything and everything that comes against them. And so we pick it up in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 21 through 24. And here's what Paul said. He said, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, he said, throw off. Everybody say, throw off. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust. And deception, instead, let this spirit renew your thoughts. Everybody say renew. Renew. He said, let him renew your thoughts and attitudes. And then notice, put on your new nature. Everybody say put on. Put on your new nature. Created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. And that's our prayer, and that's our desire right here at the beginning of 2023 to present our lives as holy and pure before God so that we can present to him all that we have, everything that we have. I mean, tax, title, license, I mean, we're, we're giving it all to him and saying, God, we want to be holy and pure. We want to be the vessels that you want to use in and through this year. And so here's what we're doing starting tomorrow morning. I'm going to challenge you. In fact, I'm going to double dog dare you today to join me as well as the host of everybody else that calls Rethink Life their church family at 6 a.m. tomorrow morning. You can say, man, why can't you guys push it back to about 10 a.m.? Well, you know as well as I know if you procrastinate or you delay or you put off the priority and the importance of prayer, you're not going to do it. 
And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to make a little shift maybe in our normal routine. We're going to get up a little earlier. We're going to get ourselves ready spiritually. So tomorrow morning at 6 a.m., we officially launch 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I'll share just a second about uh, what that really means and what that entails. But here's the thing. I want to challenge you Monday through Friday to commit joining us online. We'll be on all the uh, online platforms, Facebook, Instagram. I want to encourage you to join us. It's only for about 10 minutes. We're going to keep it short and sweet, but we're going to focus in on prayer. And really for 21 days, we're going to press in. So from 6 a.m. until about 6.10 a.m., we're going to gather online. We're going to pray Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Saturdays, we're going to give you a little, we're going to give you a little, you know, a little time to sleep in. But we're going to do it at 9 a.m., okay? So what time are we going to do it Monday through Friday? 6 a.m. What time are we going to do it on Saturday? 9 a.m. So 6 a.m. Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. on Saturdays. And we're going to press in. We're going to pray 21 days. You say, why couldn't you have done it for two days? <laughs> well, Obviously, studies have been done and been taken. It shows that it typically takes around 21 days to break old habits and roughly 21 days to establish new habits and new routines. So what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to do, do away with the old, just like what Paul was trying to emphasize to the people there in Ephesus. We're going to take off the old, we're going to put on the new, and we're going to allow this season to be a season that makes some shifts in our lives. And one of those shifts is just locking in on God. We're going to go all in with Him. And we're going to press in and we're going to prioritize prayer. Because prayer should never, ever, ever be our last response. It should always be our first response. And so with that, we're going to put him first. We're going to begin the day. We're going to begin the week with prayer. And I believe it's going to be an awesome experience. And if you've never done that, I want to encourage you. Get outside of your comfort zone and just join us in prayer for 21 days. And let's see what God will do. But we're going to add another element to it, and that is fasting. Now, many of you perhaps have never maybe done fasting before. And we always encourage people to make sure they run things by uh, their medical professional, their doctors, to make sure that they're fit for doing uh, fast. And so if you're unclear, uncertain about that, we certainly encourage you to make sure, um, you know, if you're going to take you know, a few days, a week, whatever, however much time you're going to, to fast, but make sure physically, physiologically, you are okay to participate. It would be safe to say that for many of you, you may not be able to do some extreme type of fast, but for some of us, maybe you will do what, like Michelle and I are going to do, what's often referred to as a Daniel fast. And so if you want to know more about what that looks like and how that works, we've got a lot of tools and resources we're making available on our website. All you got to do is go to RethinkLife.com and just go to our prayer page and we spell it all out. There are some tools, some resources that you can look at and we've provided some devotional reading. We've answered some questions, kind of walk through some of those specific details as it relates to the purpose of fasting. And you say, well, what is the purpose of fasting? Let me tell you the, what the purpose of fasting is. Ready for this? I'm going to make it too, just going to give it to you very, very clear and simple. Fasting does not change the way you look. And that's not our motivation for fasting. Fasting is all about changing the way you see. It's about getting clarity 
when it comes to understanding who God is, what his good, pleasing, and perfect will is. If we're going to be holy and pure, like Paul was challenging the people there in Ephesus, then we've got to present ourselves holy and pure. And that simply means we're going to get rid of anything and everything that is standing in the way that disrupts our connection, our intimacy with God. And so for 21 days, we're going to pray, we're going to press in. For those of us who can and are going to participate, we're going to fast. And we're going to believe God for him to place his super on our natural. Are you ready for that? Man, don't you want to see the supernatural hand of God at work in every area of your lives? So with that said, here's what we're going to do today. We're going to lay the groundwork for some major life shifts that we need to make in the coming weeks. And today we're going to be talking about specifically some things that we can do to prepare for the life shift. There are certain shifts that we need to make. So how do we get ready? How do we prepare the way for that? Number one, if you're taking notes, is this. And that is we need to ask God to do something new in you. Ask God to do something new in you. Because every one of us needs to simply press in and say, God, what do you want to change in my life? What areas in my life do I need to change? You see, the only way we can see change in our lives, ready for this, is when we change. You can't change people, but you can change and I can change. And the only person who can keep you from changing, you ready for this, is you. So we, over time, become our own worst enemy because perhaps we refuse to change. And what we're doing is we're asking God, God, do something new in my life. Turn to your neighbor, look at him. Here's what I want you to say to him. Say goodbye to the old you in 22. Come on. Taylor Swift has a song about that. I'm just kidding. But anyway, you know what's interesting is that David, King David, a man after God's own heart, he screwed up big time. I mean, think about it. He committed adultery, and to cover up for his sin, you know what he did? <laughs> he had a dude murdered. So the woman that he had an affair with, that he committed adultery with, he ended up arranging the details for her husband to be murdered. So here's a guy who ranks up there at the top of two of the thou shalt nots of the Ten Commandments, murder and adultery. And here is David, a man who truly, sincerely desired the heart of God. And yet he dropped the ball. He screwed up in his life. But rather than allowing his, his past to define him, Here's what he decided to do. He decided to go before God and repent and get his heart right and confess every wrong. And he said in Psalm 51 verse 10, he said, create in me a clean heart, O God. And notice he said, renew a loyal spirit within me. How many of us are guilty, I know I am, of being disloyal to God? 
In other words, we turn our back on him and we do what we desire to do. We go our way because we want to do what seems pleasurable or what seems right in our own eyes. And let me tell you something. When we find ourselves getting outside the will of God, we're going to have to reap the consequences. But here's the thing. God is a God of second chances like we talked about earlier. His mercies are fresh, new, each and every morning. And what we've got to do is we've got to realize that when we are out of fellowship with God, when we are walking in a wrong way in our lives spiritually, we've got to renew that and we've got to ask God to create within us a clean heart. In fact, in the message, I love how it captures this. God, David said, make a fresh start in me and shape a Genesis week from the chaos of my life. Over the Christmas holidays, we had some family in town and Michelle's mom came in and then our son Luke was here. And, and uh, he was actually uh, scheduled to fly back. He had bought a ticket to fly back to Nashville um, the uh, Tuesday after Christmas. And so, I don't know, if, I'm sure many of you may have even been some of the, the victims of the whole debacle that went down with the airlines, especially Southwest. He was on Southwest, and we're not throwing Southwest under the bus, but at the end of the day, it was crazy what uh, happened on this particular day. They literally canceled every single Southwest flight. I mean, they were grounded, and uh, so as a result, um, we took Luke out to the airport. We didn't know at the time. And uh, so he texted us back and said, hey, my flight's been canceled. And so we go back out to the airport. And so we were, you know, obviously in some ways somewhat excited and glad that he was going to get to stay with us. And so we go pick him up, bring him back home. But unfortunately, his bags were nowhere, nowhere to be found. And that was not just true of him. It was true of every passenger attached to Southwest Airlines. And so he started asking questions about where his bags were, and they said, you know, they're probably somewhere here in Orlando or maybe on the plane, but we don't have the personnel to deal with all that right now. They said, you'll just have to check back. So a couple days later, still no bags. We go out to the airport, and I kid you not, Luke and I, we walked down to the baggage claim area, and as far as the eye could see were literally thousands of thousands of suitcases. And they said, you also may want to go down to the lowest floor because there's more suitcases down there. We go down to the lowest floor. And I kid you not, from wall to wall, I mean, it was thousands and thousands of suitcases. And I walked away from there, blown away by the chaos of all of the suitcases. And it reminded me. As Luke and I were walking away, still without his bags, and by the way, they were delivered to our house three days ago. <laughs> we walked away, blown away by how much baggage was left behind. And man, what a powerful picture of so many people's lives who sadly and unfortunately, they carry from one year to the next nothing but baggage. And it maybe is hurt. It's habits, it's dysfunctions, maybe it's some hang-ups we're hanging on to. But as a result of the baggage in our lives, we carry it from one relationship to the next, from one bad decision to the next, from one thing to the next. And as a result, we never ever get rid of the baggage that we're carrying in our lives. And so we've got to ask God, God, do something new 
in me, create in me a clean heart. Because I don't want the old anymore. I don't want to carry this baggage any longer. It's too much. It's too heavy. And so what God wants us to do, in fact, Isaiah said it best in Isaiah 43, verse 18 and 19. God is saying this to the prophet Isaiah to communicate to the people of Israel. Because he was reminding them of all the amazing miracles that he had provided for them to show and to demonstrate his great power and to help unveil his plan and his purpose for their lives. And I love what it says in verses 18 and 19, Isaiah 48, excuse me, Isaiah 43, he said, forget what happened long ago. Notice, don't think about the past any longer. He said, I am creating something new. Don't you see it? And I believe that is what God is trying to remind us of. Right here at the beginning of this calendar year. Don't look back on the baggage of our past any longer. Don't carry the past baggage into the future. Instead, allow, allow God to create something new. And chances are, he's already at work in your life and you don't even realize it yet. And so we've got to understand that if we're going to be all that God wants us to, to be, to make some critical shifts in our lives, we need to first and foremost prepare by asking God, God, do something fresh and new in my life. Number two is this. We've got to define the changes that we want to make. We've got to define the changes that we want to make and we need to make in our lives. You say, why is that so important? Let me tell you the reason why. It's because if you can't define them, you can't defeat them. You need to call out by name the things that are holding you back. The things that are weighing you down. The things that are getting in your way from whatever it is that you're wanting God to do in you. So you've got to define the changes that you want to make. Mahatma Gandhi had a powerful quote that went like this. We must be the change... We envision. Isn't that good? We must be the change of what we see, what we desire to experience. we got to be the change that we envision. And the only way that we will see change in our lives is what? Is when we change. And the only person who can change you and the only person who can change me is me. So we have to be the change that God wants to bring about in our lives. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5 says it this way. Examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. We've all been to the doctor's office, right? But before you go to the doctor's office, what do they do? They have you fill out some forms, right? They'll give you a clipboard or now they, they do it on these little apps. And you basically go through and you fill out the form. And they're asking you all these questions. They're trying to get a good understanding of what symptoms, what problems, what issues you're experiencing, right? Why are they doing that? So that before you go in to see the doctor, the doctor already has some kind of a working knowledge, a checklist of different symptoms that's going on in your life. Because they can't make an accurate examination and diagnosis of what's taking place until you first get an understanding of exactly what it is that you're experiencing in your life. And Paul is saying this, examine yourselves. Put yourself to the test. 
to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves, Paul said. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. He said, if not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. So the question is, even in your own heart, have you put yourself through the test of where you stand in your relationship with God? Some of you may be visiting here today, and maybe it's been a long time since you've been in church. Maybe some of you came today because a friend invited you to join you. And maybe in your heart, you're thinking, you know, I just need to turn over a new leaf in my life. And that's wonderful. But this is more than turning over a new leaf. This is more than having good intentions. This is more than just receiving some information that will be helpful. This is about transformation. This is about life change. We're talking about eternity. Have you examined yourself? Do you know beyond the shadow of a doubt? And I hate to put it bluntly, but I just want to speak the truth in love. If you died today, are you 100% sure that you're going to spend eternity in heaven? You say, well, that's something I'll have to address later down the road. No, 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 no. One of our dearest, dearest friends, Michelle and I have known this amazing couple for over 10 years. Some of the most incredible people you've ever been around. The most life-giving people. They've given so much of their lives to serve this church. They were here on Christmas Eve. And our dear friend Penn, that was his last service that he would ever attend. He is now home with the Lord. That's why we have to examine ourselves. Where do we stand? Where are we in our relationship with God? So here's some checklists to maybe just go through. We'll have them on the screen. But let me just kind of quickly fly over these. What about your connection with God? Your personal walk, your personal relationship, your personal intimacy with God. You may even want to ask yourself a question on the scale of 1 to 10. Where am I in these areas? So where are you in your connection with God? Where are you in your health? Where are you in your priorities? Where are you in your relationships, in your energy level, your career, your job? What about your thought life? What about your routine, your habits? What about your marriage relationship? What about the way you parent your children? What about your time? How you manage time and how you are in charge of your schedule? What about your confidence level? What about your finances? What about your dream? You see, all of these areas in our lives, these might be areas that are important to us, but the bigger question is, how are we doing when it comes to being our best self, when it comes to giving God the best version of ourself in all of these areas, rather than giving our spouse the leftovers, rather than giving our kids the leftovers, rather than allowing our health to get the leftovers, rather than allowing other people and friendships and relationships to get the leftovers, and God help us, rather than allowing God to get the leftovers, why don't we put first things first? 
and make some shifts that we need to make in our lives. So we got to define the changes that we want to make. And here's what I know to be true. You cannot become who you need to be by remaining who you are. I love what many of us in this room are maybe experiencing right now and the fact that we're being reminded that, you know what, I can't do this alone. And that's true. Which leads me to the third thing, and that is, hey, we need to find people who will support me in the process, right? I mean, we can all, we can all have these great aspirations of, you know, of growing and developing and strengthening our faith and growing in other areas of our lives. But you know what? Hey, we can take, we can take off out of the, the starting blocks. But like the old saying goes, it's not how you start, it's how you what? Finish. And man, this life that we're on, hey, this is, not, this is not, you know, just some sprint. This is a life marathon in the sense that we got to make sure that we run the race, but we run with endurance. So, in other words, we've got to make sure that we're pacing ourselves in a way that is honorable, but at the same time that is sustainable. But we also got to make sure that we're not just running by ourselves, that we are allowing other people to run alongside us. We need people in our lives. Let me tell you something. You cannot become everything that God has placed inside of you alone. You need people. Iron sharpens iron, as the scripture says. So one person sharpens Another, I love what Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 and 10 says. It says, two people are better off than what? How many? One. Two people are better off than one. Why? For they can help each other succeed. But if a person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is what? Is in real trouble. I mean, they are in deep weeds. If they're trying to figure it all out and trying to do it all alone. And that is the reason why we need people in our lives. Here's what I've discovered, and we're going to talk about this today here in a few moments as we're dismissed and we go into our welcome party. And hey, if you're visiting with us today for the first time, maybe you're, maybe you're new to church and maybe you just moved to the community, well, guess what? You're one of over 2,000 people that move into, excuse me, more than 1,000 people, you're one of 1,000 people who move into Orlando every single week. That's staggering to me. Over 1,000 people a week move into the city of Orlando. And what's crazy is that less than 10 miles from where I'm standing, right here on this stage of Lake Nona High School, there are over 500,000 people. A half a million people. And here's what I've learned. I've learned that so many people who live here didn't necessarily grow up here. And what I've learned is that there's a lot of people who moved here because of circumstances. They moved here maybe because of a job opportunity. They moved here to maybe just start again fresh and new with a clean slate in their lives to build a future, to build a career, build their dreams or whatever it is. But here's what I've learned from talking with so many people is that so many people feel disconnected. They maybe are 
all the way across the country from their friends and relatives that maybe they knew and had close relationships with. But they're here now alone. And they feel disjointed. They feel displaced. They feel disconnected. And you know what people are longing for? They're longing for connections. They're longing for the opportunity to meet people like themselves that they have in common, that they can do life with, that they can grow together with. And if that is your desire, then the worst thing you could do is to try to move forward in 2023 alone. Man, life is too important to live alone. We need people in our lives. We like to say it this way. Let's do life together. Why not find some friends this year and start doing life together and see what God does in and through your life. Just watch what he does. Look at the life-giving opportunity that God uses through other people that speaks life and speaks encouragement and speaks hope. That's there to pray for you and encourage you and support you and walk through the highs and the lows with you. Because listen, that's what God's desire is. We're kicking off the first Sunday of February, we're going to officially launch our spring season of life groups. And so we're spending the rest of this month preparing the way, doing training for those who desire to lead a life group. And so there are many of you, what you need to understand is that you've got to decide really one of two things. Number one, am I going to participate and join a group that's already up and going? Because there are activity-based groups, there are going to be you know, topical study-based groups. But there are others of you who've been doing that for a while. And you know what? God maybe is nudging you in your heart to step out in faith and lead your own group. Why? Because as we grow larger as a church, we also want to grow smaller at the same time. Because that's when needs are met. That's where the people are best pastored. That's where relationships are formed. That's where pastoral, pastoral care takes place best is in the context of small groups. Why? Because you know everybody in your group. So here's what I'm going to encourage some of you to do. I want to encourage you to step out in faith and lead, host a group, facilitate a group. You say, man, that is way out of my league. Let me ask you a question. Because the only qualifications you need when it comes to facilitating a group really falls into these three camps. Number one is that you love people. Number two is that you can pray for people. And number three is that you can pray with people. If you can do one of those three things, trust me, you can help facilitate a life group. We need people in our lives. Number four, and that is this. This is so important. We need to remove anything unhealthy and unhelpful in our lives. So let me ask you a question. What is unhealthy and what is unhelpful? Back in the day, there was a, a legendary uh, baseball manager by the name of Earl Weaver. He was the a manager for the Baltimore Orioles. And, uh, man, he was known. He had a reputation around the Major League Baseball, um, you know, the, the players and coaches and, and even umpires. But they all dreaded going to uh, Baltimore to play there in the home stadium. But, but it didn't even matter. I mean, this, is just, this, was, this was true of this guy. Everywhere he went, I mean, he was notorious. He would ride the umpires. 
And he would always just kind of wait for that perfect opportunity. So when they called a ball, you know, that, that was actually a strike or whatever, he would, he would yell out. He would start riding the umpire. And he would yell out real loud to the umpire. And he would say, is this all there is? Or are you going to get any better? And I think sometimes God looks at us and he's asking the same question. Is this all there is or are you going to get any better? Because it's like God has laid it all out for us. And the question is, are we going to get rid of and let go of things that are unhealthy and unhelpful? Here's what Hebrews 12 verse 1 says. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination for the path has already been marked out for us. So here are two questions and I'll close with this. What do you need to get rid of? In other words, what stuff in your life that you no longer need do you need to get rid of? It's kind of like cleaning out your closet, right? Cleaning out your drawers, cleaning out your garage, heaven forbid. That's a scary thought, right? But we all know we got stuff that we don't need. And we need to get rid of the stuff that we don't need anymore. And then number two, what is it that you need to let go of? Maybe you're still clinging to the past. Those hurts, habits, hangups, whatever it is, you need to... Not only get rid of those things, but let go of those things that are unhealthy and unhelpful. Colossians 3, verses 7 and 10 said this. Paul said this. He said, you used to do these things when your life was still a part of this world. In other words, there were some things in your life that you're guilty of, that things that were unhelpful, things that were unhealthy... That you, used to, that you used to be known for. Things that you used to do. So he's reminding them, but now is the time to get rid of anger and rage and malicious behavior and slander and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all of its wicked deeds. And he said, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. And so I want to close by saying this today. There's some shifts that we need to make. Some adjustments to get ourselves back in proper alignment. We need to get rid of some stuff. We need to let go of some things. We need to ask God, God, what is it in me? Go down that checklist. God, what areas in my life? Define them so you can defeat them in 2023. And as you begin to ask God to create in you a fresh and clean heart, to make yourselves presentable to him, to make yourselves holy and pure, hey, remind yourself, it's a new me in 23. Look at your neighbor, look at him, say it's a new me in 23. But remind yourself that the only person who can keep you from changing is you. So let's ask God, God, do a fresh work in me. 
God, make some shifts in my life. Help me to restructure, reprioritize some things so that we can ultimately put him first in everything that we do. Amen. Let's let's together in prayer. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed for just a moment. You know, there are some of us in this room today who maybe just need in the quietness of the moment to push pause and before we think about anything else, before we commit to doing anything else for the rest of our day, rather than allowing our minds to drift into other things going on, maybe we just need to pause today for just a moment and in our own hearts examine ourselves and say, God, what changes, what shifts do I need to make? What adjustments do I need to make in my life? Maybe you need to simply ask God with an open hand, saying, God, help me to be a new me in 23, because I can't do it alone. I need your help. I need your protection. I need your guidance. I need your power. God, I need you. Some of you here today, maybe a few moments ago when I challenged us with the question, if we died today, where would we go? Do we know for certain? Have we examined our hearts? Have we put ourselves through the test of our faith? Do we know for certain that we have an eternal home in heaven? And if we don't know, if we're unclear, if we're uncertain, if we don't have any idea... Can I invite you today to make life's most important, most urgent decision in your heart by making Jesus the Lord of your life? You can pray something like this. Just say, dear God, I confess to you that I am a sinner. And God, I ask for you to forgive me of my sin. I believe that you died on a cross, Jesus, for my sin. And you came back to life for me. And by faith, I invite you into my life to save me and to change me. Thank you for loving me and accepting me in spite of my sin. God, we thank you for all that you've done, all that you're doing. God, we thank you in advance for all that you're going to do in this new calendar year. And God, I pray that these would not just be little catchy phrases or one-liners or things that rhyme, but Lord, I pray that they would be transformational truths, God, that would be lived out in every day of our lives with your help so we can be pure and holy in every way of our lives and we can make an eternal difference for you. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Come on, somebody. Let's give God a little shout of praise in here today and celebrate with those that made life's greatest decision. That's awesome. Let me just say that if you prayed that prayer a moment ago and you maybe, maybe in your heart you, you, know, you, you, you know for certain you meant what you prayed by inviting Christ into your life. 
Can I just invite you to take just a moment and take what we call our Connect car? You were introduced to this earlier. And there's an area on the front there at the bottom, a little blue line. says, I'm giving my life to Jesus. And today, even if you prayed that prayer with us online, we would love to know. And so what you can do is just put a check mark there. You can also, if you would prefer, you can also text the, 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 uh, the words RTL Jesus to the number 97,000. And here's what we'll do. We'll send you a little uh, link that you can fill out. And what we want to do is give you a little booklet. And if you're in the room today, we want to also make one of these booklets available. You can simply go out to what we call our Next Steps table. And there's a little booklet uh, that we love to put in your hands, kind of outline some next steps in your spiritual journey, answer some spiritual questions in your life. There's also a little 30-day reading plan uh, through the life of Christ. It's a great way just to kind of jumpstart your, your Bible reading. And I just want to encourage you, everybody, listen, everybody, let's commit. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want to encourage you to commit to 2023, going all in by making church a priority. And you're getting off to a great start because you're here today. And so give yourself a little pat here on the back, okay? But you remember what I said earlier? It's not how you start, it's how you what? Boom. So, hey, let's run the marathon race that God has already marked out for us. You ready? You ready? I can't wait to see what God is going to do. So let's start early, Friday, bright and early, 6 a.m. tomorrow morning. Hey, let's commit to giving God our very best. And uh, one of the ways that we can do that, that I'm going to encourage you to do, if you've never maybe gone all in in this area of your spiritual growth, can I encourage you to put God first in your finances? The Bible refers to it as the tithe. The tithe belongs to God. It doesn't belong to us. And God says, bring the tithe into the local house of worship. Why? So that the local house of worship can fulfill the purposes that God has. And that is the great commandment and the great commission that he's called us to fulfill as a church. So the tithe helps strengthens us. It empowers us to carry out what God has commanded us to do. But in, addi in addition to that, it's God's way of blessing us. It's God's way of providing us, providing for us. It's God's way of also protecting all aspects of our lives. And so when we come up under the umbrella of God's authority and God's plans and God's priorities and purposes, guess what? God takes care of us in return. And so right here on the first part of the calendar year, let's commit. You pick the amount. You pick the percentage. That's between you and the Lord. But let's give God our first and let's give God our best. And let's allow him to do what only he can do with the rest. Amen? You agree with that? Let's give him our best this year. Father, we thank you for the privilege we have today to be able to serve you, to worship you, to give back to you. Lord, thank you for these today who made important steps in their faith to, to grow closer to you. Lord, to make some shifts, some adjustments in their lives. And Lord, we just pray as we embark upon this new season, this new calendar year. Lord, we ask that this year would be a major breakthrough in many different areas of our lives because of our commitment to honor you and to live for you. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done and all that you're going to continue to do. We give you praise and glory. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, 
It would mean a great deal to us if you would consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. You can click on the share button, take a screenshot, and share it on your social stories. And be sure to tag us at Rethink Life Church. To learn more about our church, check out RethinkLife.com. Until next time, hey, we love you and believe the best is yet to come in your life.